We are in a series on the Beatitudes, and we're in uh, week number three. We're in the third Beatitude, blessed are the meek, blessed are the meek. Uh, The eight Beatitudes is found in Matthew are essential keys to the kingdom of heaven and its associated blessings. If you're hungry for meaning and purpose, for joy and peace, these are the corridors that lead to them. Today, we're going to look at meekness and discover what that is and how to cultivate that. Uh, I encourage you to uh, always find application in whatever it is that you're studying and reading and so forth. It's all about applying it to our lives. That's where it becomes real. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Next week, in fact, I will be out of town. My birth father has passed away, and I'm going to go to the funeral, be with my brothers down in New Mexico. So um, Elder Randy will be bringing us the message next week. So he'll pick up the next in the series uh, while I'm in New Mexico. Matthew 5, verse 5. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We could say selah at that point. You know, let's stop. Let's think through that. Let's meditate on that. What does that mean? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We all share a planet that is highly valued and fought over. Go to the next slide, please. Slide 21. We'll go to the next slide, slide 21. So we all share a planet that is highly valued and fought over. I want us to think about this for a moment, how precious the planet is. And how since the beginning of time, we have fought over that. Now we look at all the nations as they scramble to take dominion over this world. Even today, there are godless, greedy, elite globalists that are after the planet and the resources. And they'll use whatever means necessary to possess and subjugate it. We are nothing but commodities in their eyes to be used and consumed. And one of their main strategies for world domination by these godless power brokers is war. It's war. And war is a horrible, terrible thing for all who find themselves in the grip of it. In any soldier, you can ask any veteran who has ever been on the front lines in a war, or any civilian who has been caught up in the midst of a military conflict. Horrible. Think of the Ukraine and all that's going on there right now. And keep in mind that the warmongering is a trade of the globalists to reach their goal of conquest over our planet. Yes, the earth is precious to everyone, and different groups have always fought over it and will continue to fight over it, to possess it for themselves and their own agenda. So that's the first point. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth is a treasured possession. Everyone's clamoring for it. Number two, second point. The earth belongs to Jesus. 
It doesn't belong to anyone but the one who made it. The earth belongs to Jesus, and he's going to give it to the meek. Psalm 2, verses 7 through 12, a prophecy concerning the Messiah. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. That's fulfilled in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Paul takes that passage and says it's been fulfilled in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Jesus is this king that was prophesied. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 2 and verse 8. The father says, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. The father who created all things seen and unseen has given the creation to his son. It all belongs to Jesus. He goes on to say, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All of creation has been given to Jesus. When he returns, he's going to rip it from the grip of the greedy, from their blood-stained hands, from these godless globalist elites. He's going to take it back. He's going to transform it, this magnificent planet, in a sweeping makeover resulting in a new heavens and a glorified, spectacular, immortalized new earth. And then he's going to turn and he's going to give it to the meek. At the astonishment, even the anger of the elitists who have clamored for it, he turns and gives it to the weak and powerless. What a game changer. But what does it mean to be meek? This word means to be gentle, to be kind, to be forgiving. Think about that for a minute. When we think of what it means to be gentle, what, what, what are we talking about? Being gentle is cultivating a demeanor that is considerate of others. It, it's where you think about others rather than yourself. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. I thought, you know what? We got two eyes that are on the front of our face. He could have put one eye here, one eye there, right? <laughs> or one eye on both sides. He gives us two eyes and they're facing forward. And we can't see ourselves unless we're in a mirror. Hmm. You ever think about that? I mean, he could have he gave us eyes that could not only see forward, but out in front of us that could also see us at the same time. But no, we're never seeing us other than the mirror. Why? Because we're not intended to see us. God intended us to see others. Our focus and attention to be on others rather than self. To be considerate of others is to keep in your frame of reference in your relationship to keep the other in view, to think of the other's well-being, to think of the other's happiness. 
And that's what it means to be meek. That's what it means to be gentle, to be considerate of other people and their circumstances. It means to be mild-mannered, not all worked up, anxious, you know, creating anxiety in your environment. No, it means to be a calming factor with those around you, to be affable, you know, be the kind of person that's easy to approach, right? Who likes to approach someone who's uptight and stern and harsh? None of us do. We shy away from people like that. Jesus is saying, be meek, be approachable, put a smile on your face and be welcoming. Think of others, not yourself. This is the pathway to cultivating meekness. Be mild-mannered, easygoing, not unsympathetic, right? But big-hearted, warm-hearted. That's what it means to be meek. The Bible says, if one wishes to have friends, one must first become friendly. We all want to have friends. How do we do that? By being friendly ourselves, kind and generous and outgoing and warm-hearted. And in doing so, through that meekness, people are drawn to you. Matthew 11, verse 28, speaking of the Messiah, listen to this. This is Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and put it on you. Learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest. For the yoke I will give you is easy, and the load I will put on you is light. Jesus is a different type, type of leader. Jesus is a different type of king when you think about it. Think of the kings in the ancient Near East, right? In the nations. They're not approachable. They're not affable. There is just nothing but... but majesty and, and, and barriers and so forth that you can't even approach them as a commoner. Jesus is saying, I'm not that kind of king. I am meek. I'm mild-mannered. I'm gentle. I'm easygoing. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to embrace you. When he comes into Jerusalem, right, on Palm Sunday, what does he do? Does he come riding in on a stallion with a bunch of military men all around him and a chariot? No, he comes riding on a donkey, as prophesied, that the king would be mild-mannered, meek and gentle, that the king would be like a commoner, welcoming the average, the broken, the weak. This is who Jesus is. We're called to be forgiving. Jesus was quick to forgive. Merciful in every way, unlike many of us who withhold forgiveness, who are bitter and angry, wanting to make those who have injured us accountable. Being meek is giving all that up. Being meek is saying, I'm willing to forgive everyone who has ever injured me because I have been forgiven. Therefore, because of the mercy that's come to me, I will extend mercy. That's what it means to be meek. It also includes being helpful and humane. 
It's an action word. Being meek calls us to action, to help those who are in trouble, to be humane, which speaks of empathy, sympathy and empathy, a defender of the vulnerable and the disenfranchised. Back in Matthew chapter 11, earlier it says this, verse 25 and verse 26. At that time, Jesus said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you because you have shown to the unlearned what you have hidden from the wise and learned. Yes, Father, this is how you were pleased to have it happen. The exact opposite of what we see the world doing. Jesus says, Father, you've come for the broken. You have come for those that are uneducated, that aren't in places of great uh, privilege. You've come for the down and out, for those that are outcast from their communities. Again, this is a picture of meekness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 says, Now remember what you were, my friends, when, when God called you. From the human point of view, few of you were wise or powerful or of a high social standing. Jesus came for the lost. Jesus came for the disenfranchised. Jesus came for those who recognize that they're poor in spirit because of their sin. This is who Jesus came for. He bypasses those who see themselves as strong, those who see themselves as self-sufficient. He bypasses those and comes to those who are broken and outcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27 through 31 I want to finish this passage. It says, God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. And he chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. He chose what the world looks down on and despises and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. This means that no one can boast in God's presence. But God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus, and God has made Christ to be our wisdom. By him, we are put right with God. We become God's holy people and are set free. So then, as the scripture says, whoever wants to boast must boast of what the Lord has done. Jesus has come for the poor in spirit. Jesus has come for the broken, for the alienated. Jesus has come to those who say, have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. Those are the ones that Jesus has come to save. And in the context of his second coming, he's going to turn everything around. He's going to take from those of this world, the strong and the rich and the famous, who did not see any need at all for a savior, and rip from their hands that which they thought they finally possessed, and he's going to come and turn and, and in turn give that to us, the meek. And in that day, there will be great wrath in the hearts of those that were bypassed. And they will receive their due as you, the people of God, receive yours. In light of that, what kind of people are we going to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Are you cultivating meekness? Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In the Messiah, we already are meek. 
you couldn't even come to the Messiah except through meekness. It's in our brokenness where we realize we're broken that meekness is found. Those that are giving their lives to Jesus are a part of this great entourage of meek people. By giving up your life to Jesus and everything associated with it, which is a sign of meekness, by the way, your life will be given back and dramatically enhanced. We have found this to be true. I want to read it for you nonetheless. It says, He summoned the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will, f- will save it. This is counterintuitive. How do you find your life? How do you find an abundant life? You find it by giving up your life. That makes no sense. Give up everything. Why? So you can have everything. Yet that's the way the kingdom works. Jesus says, I've come to give you life, abundant life. But the pathway is surrender. Verse 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Your soul is all you have. It's what we possess when we come into this world. It's what we take with us when we leave this world. It's all we have. It's all that we are. The one that clamors to hold on to his life in the end loses it. And yet the one that surrenders it to the one who gave it in the first place is given it back glorified, magnified, enhanced. It's a a powerful and beautiful thing. And even though so much of this is in the future when he comes again, the good news is it's already broken into the past. It's already begun. It's something that we get a foretaste of in the here and now. I came out of the darkness into the light. I came out of the darkness of the brokenness of my sins. I was demonized, desperate, panic-stricken for months, having demonic episodes, having blackouts, not knowing what I did during the times that I had these blackouts, fearing, fearing that, that I might have done some horrible thing and knowing that in the end, the thing that was in me would take my life. In the end, it would take me down. I knew that innately. I didn't have a theological grid to understand what was going on with me back when I was 18 years old. It was years later, I had a theological grid to say, yes, I was demonized. I'd gone so far in my sin and my shame to actually end up with demonic invasion taking control of my life, not knowing whether or not I'd ever, ever escape it. And Jesus came 
saved me. And he set me free out of the darkness and into the light. And he gave me a life so abundant that I feel guilty living it. I feel, I think life's too good. It's too good. I don't deserve this. And you know what? I don't. I don't deserve it. That's the grace of God though, isn't it? That is the grace of God. And it just gets better and better and better. And that doesn't mean I don't have hardship. I don't have disappointment. I don't have discouragement. I don't have wars that go on, you know, spiritual warfare and stuff. No, but what it means is this. The overwhelming characteristic of that life is that joy, that peace, that love that I have that sees me through all of that stuff. In giving up my life, I found my life. In giving up all my ambitions and hopes and dreams, I found a life worth living. I know many of you have found that too. It's an abundant life. It's a glorious life. It's a life worth living. Not only worth living, it's a life that demands to be shared with others. We share that through one of these characteristics called meekness. So how do we cultivate that? How do we become more like Jesus? You know, we're called to represent Jesus in our world. Jesus isn't here anymore. He's seated at the right hand of God. He makes intercession for us daily. Do you know that Jesus is in the heavenlies and he is making intercession on your behalf before the Father? That the atonement of our sins is ongoing through the ministry of Jesus in heaven. He's representing us before the Father. He's asked us to represent him with a dying world with the world all around us, to share the love of Jesus with those around us, those that are still in darkness, who need the light. So how do we become more like Jesus? We do that by spending time with him. We do that by spending time in his word, reading the stories about his life, who he was, how he lived, what his values were. And the more that we contemplate that and meditate on that, and pray that back to him and ask him, make me like you. I want to be like you, full of faith, full of love. I want to be quick to forgive. How many people here are just quick to forgive? It's just easy for you to forgive people. Okay, I see a couple hands. Okay. That, that's not hard to get there. It's it was really hard for me. I was not a very forgiving person. It would take me quite a while to forgive someone who, who injured me. And that's probably due to the fact that I had enough injury early on in, in, in my life that, that I just kind of like held people at bay and then really tried to make them pay because I was hurting. It took me many, many, many years to get to the place where that would be easier to forgive people. But that's part of what it means to be meek. So in being meek, we spend time with Jesus. We let him wash over us. We let him love on us. We let him heal us. And then we say, Father, in Jesus' name, I want to be quick to forgive. Work that work in me. Now just know when you're asking 
to be quick to forgive, you know what you're asking for, don't you? You can't, you can't forgive unless someone offends you. So God will probably allow some of that offense to come just so that you can practice forgiving. You know, the fear of God is a beautiful thing. It's what keeps us on the straight and narrow. And when I talk about the fear of God, I'm talking a reverence for God, to revere Him, to respect Him, to honor Him, to obey Him. Jesus gives us the parable of a man that owed more than he could ever pay back and brought before the judge, cried out for mercy. And because he humbled himself and was crying for mercy, the judge was moved in his heart and he forgave the man a debt he could never pay back in a lifetime. The man got out of prison that day. Walking home, he saw a neighbor who owed him about 30 days' wages. And he immediately went up and demanded, pay me and pay me now. The man begged for mercy, said, I can't pay you right now. Please extend this. And instead, he called for the law enforcement and had him thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. Some of those people that were involved in that that day went back to the king and told the king, the judge, what he had done. The one he had just forgiven what he had done that day. The king was enraged because he showed so much mercy. Ordered the man to come before him once again. Told the man, what I have forgiven, I now take back had him thrown in prison and called for the tormentors to torment him on top of being in prison. In the prayer that Jesus gave us, we have this phrase, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. What we're saying when we say that prayer is we're saying, Father, Forgive me based on the way I forgive others. If I'm not quick to forgive, please don't quickly forgive me. If I'm hard on others and unmerciful, please be hard on me and unmerciful. That's a great prayer, right? That helps you and me cultivate meekness. We want to be forgiving because God is forgiving, especially in light of the fact that if we're not forgiving after he's forgiven all of us, our sins, he might throw us in prison. And this is not, you lost your salvation. No, it's no, he hands you over to a place of confinement and misery and then calls for angels to torment you until you can find in your heart the mercy to forgive your brother or sister. He does that because he loves us. He does that because he wants us to be like him, forgiving, knowing that unforgiveness ultimately leads to bitterness and death. I'm motivated by that. I'm highly motivated. I am selfish. I admit it. I want God to be merciful to me, so I am motivated to be merciful with others because I am thinking about me too. But that's one of the ways that I cultivate forgiveness. You might have a different way to motivate yourself. The point is, let's motivate ourselves. 
to be forgiving. Let's also work on being considerate. How do we do that? By placing yourself in the shoes of others. You have to think in the sense. What's my brother going through? Or what's my sister going through? Or a parent or a sibling, right? Whoever it is you're interacting with, what are they going through? I wonder what that's like. How can I help them in that? That's what it means to be considerate, to be thinking of the other person in a way that moves you to sympathy or, if you can, empathy. The golden rule, we're all aware of it. It seems trite until you practice it. And then the sizzle comes. The golden rule. How you would want to be treated if you were in the other's place. You got to say, whatever this person is doing or whatever context they're in, Lord, help me to understand that, what it would be like to be in their shoes. And if I was in their place, and maybe, maybe they've offended you or hurt somebody or hurt you or whatever, right? Get in their shoes. Well, they abused me when I was growing up. Get in their shoes. Most of the time, people abuse others because they were abused. It didn't originate with them. Get in their shoes. Ask the Lord to help you to understand what it is they're experiencing and going through. And then say to yourself, self, if you were in their shoes, what would you want? What would you want? Would you want mercy? Would you want forgiveness? Or would you demand justice? People, all of us, we'd want mercy, wouldn't we? We'd want mercy and compassion and forgiveness. Well, whatever it is you would desire, you give that to them. You give that to the other. And in so doing, you will have cultivated the quality of meekness. It's in these ways that we foster meekness. It's in these ways that we cultivate it in our lives. It's in this, this way that we bless others. And in blessing others, we bless ourselves. That's the passage. Blessed are the meek. Why? Because in the end, they get everything. They inherit it all. Because the issue of compassion, loving kindness, mercy, and forgiveness is the very essence of who God is. And when we come up, become like him, he will reward us by giving to us all that he has. And that is a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for your son, the meek one. Jesus, you are so approachable. You are, you are more than approachable. You are the one that has chased us down. You're the one that has come seeking us in the darkness. You found us. Your love is so great. We worship you, the one who saved us. And we say to you, help us to be like you. Pour out your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Do a work in our hearts. May we walk in a closer way than ever before from this day forward in cultivating meekness, being quick to forgive, being merciful, being affable, being approachable, Lord God, that people would be drawn so we can share with them what we have found in your son, life, 
abundant and everlasting. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.